0: And welcome to Connected, the podcast about people, ideas, marketing, technology and everything that's good. I'm ASD, a digital man here at Mediacom.
1: Hi, I'm Sue Unum and I'm Chief Transformation Officer at Mediacom.
0: And joining us today is Murray Calder. How are you doing, Murray?
2: I'm doing great. Nice to be
0: here. It's really good to have you here. So Murray is the CSO for Mediacom Edinburgh. He's also a former chair of the IPA in Scotland, a fellow of both the IPA and the Marketing Society. And he's also... An amateur. Well, I don't think amateur DJs fair. I'd say pro DJ. Uh, he studied economics and economic history at the University of Glasgow and spent the first half of his 30 years in marketing in brand management roles for single malt whiskies, including the Macallan and Highland Park before becoming global marketing manager for the famous Grouse, Scotland's favourite whisky. During his time in the whisky industry, he launched the Macallan in Asia, set Highland Park on its course to become the best whisky in the world and steered the famous Grouse through a global relaunch to reach its birth at number one in the UK. Since joining MediaCom Edinburgh to establish and lead the strategy function, he's also run new business and marketing for the agency and has been part of the leadership team that has tripled the size of the agency, working with clients of all shapes and sizes, public and private sector, local and global. So Murray, what makes a good strategist beyond just being interested in everything?
2: I'm entirely sure I'm the right person to ask that. But, um, um, I, I, yeah, curiosity clearly is important, isn't it? I mean, you need to be interested in mm. everything because who knows which piece of information is going to be useful at, at any particular time. Um, I mean we work across so many different sectors, so many different clients with so many different problems and I think that whole, you know, the related world stuff is really, really important. A broad interest lots of things. Um, even just, I mean, even, even just for your own sanity, which is quite a, a, interesting in, in any case. But I think the most important thing is actually to be interested in people. Mm-hmm. And so there are lots of abstract things that you can, you know, you, you know rabbit holes you can fall down. But ultimately, it's about being interested in people, isn't it? It's about being interested in what they do, how they do it, and why they do it. Um, and so it's not just curiosity, I think it's empathy and compassion that are actually really, really important. Is actually, you know, because, and I think this is, um, and you see a lot of chat about this online between strategists, particularly strategists who are based in London or New York and in other parts of other countries around the, In fact, I saw a big conversation on Twitter the other week there, which is quite topical with the election on it in the states at the minute, about how many strategists in New York agencies have ever spent any time in the middle of the country. Mm. And I think that's also true for, and you see that conversation, and I have that conversation with you guys in London occasionally um, around the, you know, if you don't leave the the M25 circle, how much do you really know about what's going on in the UK? Um, So I think empathy and compassion are the really important parts of curiosity in there is actually understanding the problems that people have in their lives is essential if you're going to provide solutions to those problems um so i think that's important
1: i think that's such a good answer because everybody says curiosity but you're right the thing that makes a great strategist is curiosity and empathy and compassion with people not oh isn't that a very interesting new bit of something
2: yeah Um, i I think i mean great distinction possibly even i mean i think you know in media possibly even more than in a creative agency the seduction of data is there all the time you know, and there's numbers. And so you've got numbers and a lot of the, the particularly the, the more senior you go in a business, the more likely you are to be dealing with accountants, people who have been accountants, whatever their, their role company is. And so numbers become even more seductive. Mm-hmm. And actually it's even more important at that point that you become the voice of people in that business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think
1: a, that's so true. Also people are messy in a way that numbers aren't and you well, we have to love that messiness.
2: Yes. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and you know, you can embody that messiness into in a greater or lesser degree, depending on how you prefer to present
1: yeah. that's great. Um, you were you had a great career client side, and then you some people refer to it as poacher turned gamekeeper, don't they? Or I don't know, it would be the other way around, gamekeeper turned poacher. And, uh, perhaps I shouldn't have even raised hunting in any shape, way, shape, or form. You switched over to media agencies. What 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 made you do that?
2: I needed a job. Right. Um, uh, uh, as simple as that. I think I'd. Um, I had, I'd had had a great grounding in marketing in the whisky industry. I don't think, I, I, having now worked with lots of different businesses in lots of different sectors, I think it would be hard to find a better industry in which to learn marketing. Um, or, or certainly, or maybe I was just incredibly fortunate in that the people I worked with at the time were the people who were right at the top of their game in whisky marketing. Yeah. When whisky effectively is Curfew marketing, don't tell me I said that, but it's, it's the, you know, the, the, the vast majority of the value in your yes. single malt is, is in the image of the product.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. And Scotland has spent hundreds of years building up that image, mm. and so mm. it's one of those products that has marketing at its heart for mm. longest. Um, and so I was really lucky to do that, but I got bored because mm. I'd done, you know, I, I, I got that point in which I think you, a lot of us do in our thirties, I suppose, um, mm we get to that point and go, well, I know everything now. Yeah. I've I've done all this. Uh, and, and you're just giving me another brand to do the same thing with. And like Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, how much fun is that? I mean I, you know, I I kinda knew, I, I kinda got another brand and I went, Oh yeah. what to do here. Yeah. So I felt as if I'd stopped learning. Yeah. And somebody came along and offered me a vast sum of money to go and work somewhere else for someone who will remain nameless because it didn't work out very well. And I and I had six months of hell. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that just it was just the wrong thing, the wrong move. Yeah. I moved for the wrong reasons. yeah, I moved, I moved for money. I didn't move for um, something more interesting or something that I was mm-hmm. going to learn more from. And however, um, that then led to another interim job with another whiskey company, which is quite interesting. I actually moved from one whiskey company to a completely different business. Um, but on both of those clients, Mediacom were uh, MediaCom Edinburgh were the media agency. And so when those uh, engagements finished, uh, you and Jarvie um, had spent some time with me and asked me to come and speak to him and offer me a job. Okay. And that's basically how it happened. And a lot of my ex-colleagues in Whiskey and elsewhere had always kind of felt that I would probably end up side. society. Interesting. I didn't. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. The co- corporate constraints always. Made me feel a bit uncomfortable. You might have seen me in those situations at times. Uh, I feel a bit—it's uh, like I just—I just reel against it. Too tight um, a suit, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, the only tie I own now is one with a motif of barbed wire on it, which explains how I feel about wearing a tie and a shirt and a suit. But um, and so yeah, I went. I went. I, but I went to. Uh, uh, but they'd always thought I'd go to a creative agency. Yeah. Um, well, to become it, an agency, planner. Uh, yeah. Well, actually, I went to, and I ended up at MediaCom. And actually, and, I, and maybe I'm maybe I'm romanticising this and um, taking this backwards in a way that it wasn't there. But it's follow the follow the money. You know, when you look at advertising, you go, to, and, I, and I still to this sure. day, the amount of effort uh, and management time and interest that is devoted to the creative development side of an advertising campaign compared to what is devoted to where all the vast majority of the money is spent in an advertising yeah. campaign still astonishes me. Mm-hmm. You, know, I, you know, you can get you know, and I still remember this at the start of my career at MediaCom that millions of pounds worth of television money was being signed off without any really looking at. It. Yeah. And yet you would spend six months over a 50 grand creative budget.
1: When did you join? When did you join uh, MediaCom?
2: 14. I am 15 years in now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 15. I mean it
1: was whiskey's lost was our game.
2: Well, that's nice of you to say. So. Yeah, no, not. but I did. I mean, I've I mean, I've felt and I, and I've said this a couple of times in recently. I've felt at home at MediaCom since I've been here. Yeah. Um,
1: well, you were but you but you um you were part of creating it. So 14, 15 years ago, we were still making up what MediaCom was, and you were an important part of. And I think I think bringing kind of strategy into um. The whole media process was something that was still in its early days in the kind of early thousands at scale, and um, I think uh, you know it was, um, it was it was a successful successful.
2: Well, it's worked out for me. I mean, it's worked out for me, so that's good. And it seems to have worked out for media companies. So. It's worked out for me. Doing <laughs> okay at the minute. Um, I mean, despite all this crap that's going on around about it. But I mean, I, and I was very lucky. I when I when I joined the media company, it I don't know, it was only it was 14 or 15 people. It wasn't that I many it was tiny. Um, and, you know, we were doing good media planning, but there wasn't really that strategic focus yeah. at that time. And I still, you know, I've never bought a piece of media in my life. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm not even sure I would know how to. Um, and, my, and my strategic background is very much brand and marketing strategy yeah. rather yeah. than media strategy per se.
1: Or TV buying, which is where I started. Yeah,
2: well, yeah, it's I mean, it, so it's that, and, but I think this, what, what I mean, what I love about Mediacom is that, that we've all come from such different places.
1: Yeah, it's that diversity. But
2: that diversity make, makes for strength and and sometimes for disagreement, but those disagreements but, but are... But if
1: you've got a strong sense of belonging, little plug for my book there, yeah,
2: then yeah, um, very nicely done.
1: you can disagree and you know think,
2: and then move on. Yeah that's, and I think that's the, that's the thing I've always found at Mediacom so you can no matter how much you disagree yeah. it, it, it is it is productive yeah mm-hmm. it's not just disagreeing to be a dick mm-hmm. you, no. so you're going like actually no I, I strongly believe this is the right thing to do yeah. and but people are prepared to go okay well we're going to have to disagree to disagree and we'll and we're going to move on because we've actually got to do something mm-hmm. and I think that's the other part of of, of I mean, sorry, tipping back to the previous question about strategy is that strategy is ultimately about action.
1: Totally. Right, It's about it's doing not stuff. It's stroking No, it's
2: doing stuff. It's like, so if you're not doing stuff with it, it's pointless. I mean, it's just, it's just, it has no point. Uh, it's just intellectual wanking. And, and, and what's the point of that?
0: So let's talk about Scotland. Why have you pursued your career in Scotland alone, rather than abroad or even, you know, down in London?
2: Well, clearly because it's the best country in the world.
0: Okay,
1: um, end of question,
2: that's I uh, Again, just I, I mean, I, I, no plan, you know, that it, it's, people often get asked these questions, don't they, and they go, oh, well, I had this plan, and you know, this is, I've seen this is what I would do, and I would, this would be the set. Nah, no idea. I still, I mean, I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. Um, it has been just serendipity. I've been very, I was very lucky that I joined companies that I did in Scotland, that led to the next thing, that led to the next thing, that led to the next thing, led to the next thing. And I've always just, and I think my attitude has always been, um, be the very best you can be at what's right in front of you. Yeah. Yeah, whatever that is. And, you know, and at, at times that was making the tea for the office. At times that was buying labels um, for whiskey bottles. At times that was stacking the barrels in the warehouse. So I did all those things before I even did any marketing. In the music industry, but it was like I think it's you, you just got to try and be the best you can be. At what's in front of you, and I think that's 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 true. Um, even once you're quite okay at your job, yeah. you've just got to say that. And I think that pitching is the best part, the best example of that. I guess, is especially if you're pitching in a um, if you're pitching in a category you've never pitched in before, because frankly you know nothing, and so <laughs> you oh the, the best you can do is the best you can do uh, because other people are going to know more about it because they're there. Um, but yeah, just I, I, it's just a, it's just been pure luck. And I, I mean, I love it here. I, I mean, I, I I genuinely love the country that I live in. And mm-hmm. um, all my friends and family are here. And um, mm-hmm. I love the mountains. So I've lived here for most of my life. I love the sea. I currently live next to the sea. Um, it's just mm-hmm. a great it's a great little it's just the right size I think. And there's a lot of open space here. So it's uh, as someone who is what do they call them, an extrovert or an introvert? Um, I, I like to have lots of people to do stuff with, but I really need to be on my own sometimes. And Scotland really lets you do that in a way that living in, say, London doesn't.
1: Now, you have a deep love of sci-fi. Um, I do, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Where does it come from? Which particular sort of sci-fi? Because it's a very big term. And, and what do you think you've learnt from it? Yeah, I
2: don't, it, yeah, I don't know. Where, really? it, where did it come from in the first place? I don't know. Was um, it Star I, Trek I, when
1: you were a little boy?
2: I, 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 I mean, I did watch Star Trek when I was a little boy, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't call myself a trekkie by any stretch. Um, I still remember the, the very first Star Wars movie coming out in the cinema. Going not see that, being a bit blown away. Um, but my dad read sci-fi. Right. Um, and so I think he probably encouraged that. But I, I probably, I, it was probably fantasy that I was first at. So with the, the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings.
1: Okay.
2: Yeah. I probably kind of started in it. And then, but sci-fi, I think, at its best, is philosophy. It is a way of exploring mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. how they react to circumstances. Mm-hmm. And because it's not set in today, it could be allegorical in that sense. And it, can, it can actually say, look, here, if we imagine this happened, mm-hmm. how might society or people react to that? Mm-hmm. And so in that sense, I think, despite the sort of recent preponderance of uh, post-apocalyptic and dystopian work, it is ultimately quite optimistic. that there are still human beings there tens or hundreds or thousands of years in the future Mm. doing things that humans are doing today Mm. Um, and i think that that's another i suppose well actually maybe that's another aspect of of being a good strategist is ultimately you've got to be optimistic um
1: but also be detached from the suppositions so one of my favorite creativity techniques is that um, you know, imagine an alien came down from another planet and saw what was going on here. How would he react? And so it, it, it's got that kind of sense of don't make assumptions.
2: Yes, no, absolutely. I, yeah, I, think, that's, I think that's a really good point. And, and it, I mean, there's a great talk. Zoe Scammon, Scammon, how you pronounce her name, did a fantastic isolate, isolated talk um, in which she talks about sci-fi mm-hmm. and how it is... A great way of unlocking your mind to possi- all the possibilities that might be and i think that for that, that that i mean she expressed it way better than i ever could as around you know it's a it's it's infinitely um um what i'm looking for it's just it's just expansive all the time it's just always, there's always new ways in, of, of doing things there's always new ways of solving problems mm-hmm. and that i think for me is 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 really helpful in as you see in, in a in a strategy. Yeah, role. The strategist needs
0: that. You
1: Speaking mean, of isolated talks.
0: Yeah, you've already mentioned isolated talks, which were founded and run are being run by the brilliant and future connected guest star Giles Edwards. Uh, yours was on resilience. What are the keys to resilience, Murray? Oh,
2: still finding still finding out. I think. Mm. Um, I did I did, I did a bit of research around it. I think there's a. I guess there's a. It's a little bit about. I don't want to get too into stoic philosophy but because mm-hmm. it's kind of got a bit of a bad rep in stoic philosophy but it's been hijacked by some quite unpleasant characters mm-hmm. but uh, but it but there is there are aspects in there around um having a sense of agency um i think is important that's the first thing is actually you can do something about this you can you know you cannot control everything that's going on around about you you just can't um and one aspect of resilience is understanding that that while well, you might be not be able to control your situation, you can control your reactions to it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, sometimes, um, I mean, my wife gets very upset at me sometimes because my, reac- my I, I control my reactions maybe a bit too much. She just wants me to be angry, right? And, and mm-hmm. actually, sometimes anger is the right response. But what, what there is is to put in place a, 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 a stop that goes, stop a minute, um, this is happening to me what is the right response to this, as opposed to just instinctively reacting in some ways or other. That's one thing. I think that the other thing is realising that it's not just about you. It's not just you. There are lots of people out there. If you will only ask, there are people out there who will help. Um, And that, I think, probably more than anything, in in particular Mm -hmm. current circumstance. Resilience at its heart is about an idea that we are more than me, Um, Mm -hmm. that there are other people out there who have been through your experience who can help, who haven't been out through your experience who can listen, who have got a different perspective on it. Um, And and if anything, you know, given what I've been through the last few years, it's other people. And quite often actually strangers on the internet. it's a good
1: side. It's a good side of social media, right? Is the.
2: And I think it's, there are the, 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 the kindness of strangers. Yeah. Um, cannot be overrated. I think. Uh, out there have been so supportive while I've been going through um, what have been quite difficult years. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that, that is remember that, that there are other people out there, uh, and remember that you have agency. Um, and if I've got so. to say, Two two other other small things. You have to lean into it. Um, It's very easy when you're being overwhelmed like that to to just let it roll over you. But you have to lean into it uh, and you have to take some responsibility um, or or some agency if you can. Um, And at the same time, you also need to be able to take time to step aside and recuperate and take time out. Um, Because the the pressures of the world and your family and the work and everything is to you will imagine, and that's really important, you will imagine are pushing you back in to get back to normal as soon as you can. And actually, that's the wrong thing to do. Um, because uh, however ready you think you are, you probably are.
1: So be kind uh, to yourself.
2: Kind to yourself. Take a bit more time out than you think you might need. Um, and I've been very fortunate to have family, friends and an employer who are prepared to let me do that. So um, I, I, feel, I feel very... I feel very it,
1: actually, in my life. Well, and I love what you said about asking for help because I—it's I, something my mum always used to say about my aunt choice. Actually, she always used to say, you know, she's she's so strong because she acknowledges her weaknesses and she acknowledges when she needs help. And actually, it's it's like almost counterintuitive, but um,
2: yeah, it to, it yeah, it took me a long time. Took me a long time. Yeah, took me a long time to get I'm to be be honest, help. So. Um, David uh, Shearer and, and Edward yeah. constantly telling me in the middle of a pitch, it's not all about you, Murray, it's not about you. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to fix everything. Go, it's not you. ask like, oh, right, yeah. Yeah, um, for help.
1: Before we get to um, our regular questions, can you tell us about The Makery?
2: Well, The Makery, yes. Yeah, so, um, the Makery is a shop and a workshop on Dunbar high street in, our, in the town that we live, um, which is my wife's business. Um, my wife is a graphic designer to trade, uh, but she's also a designer maker. So she designs and makes jewelry and housewares and all sorts of things using a laser cutter. Um, so she's, it's very graphic in style. So it's a, a couple of years ago, coming not for two years ago, timing amazing right, right, almost just before the pandemic, that was her one year anniversary of having the shop open. I persuaded her to open the shop much, much against her wishes. Um, But we now have a space where um, she can work that isn't in the house, which is great. And she sells online and she's now selling through a place called the Scottish Design Exchange on George Street in Edinburgh, um, a whole range of different places. And it's also given me a space, to pursue my own crave, such as it is. Uh, so, I do a little bit of lino cutting, I do a little bit of letterpress printing. Um, Emma's father was a, a printer to trade, so we've inherited quite a lot of uh, a small press and a few other bits and pieces. And I think that actually, in my Twitter bio, I kind of see making things to think better and thinking to make things better. Uh, and I think it's really important. Uh, to get outside of your head, sometimes we're very good at that strategy. Just being inside our heads all the time. It's mm. to get actually do something yeah. with your yeah. hand. Yeah. Uh, and so, making things is a great uh, is a great way of doing that. So, it's a place to make things. It's a place where people can have things made. So, there's there's a lot of commission work, um, commercial and personal, uh, sales art and jewelry, etc., etc. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's
0: become a bit of a fixture on our high street, which is street squeak grass oh, So Murray, we're on to our regular questions now, and strategists always find this question difficult, but could, could you tell me your favourite line from a poem, a song or a book, please? Right,
2: I'm thinking this difficult. Um, so I, I, actually, I actually looked this up yesterday, that's what it was. It'll be something for me in banks. Almost, okay. certainly, almost certainly something that was saved by a mind from one of the ships. Um, so I think there's a there's a there's a line in, in Player of Games I think, which is something along the lines of like, like all life is a game, um, and the secret is to know the rules and then break them. Um, something along those lines I think. And I think it's that, and I, and I really like that idea. That it's like that. It's just a game. um, and, yeah. um Knowing the rules and which rules to break and when is really the secret to doing it right. Something that I want to I can't, yeah. I'm not very, I've got a terrible memory.
1: No, um, that's very. That's very good. It's something I want to do. If if you were a genie, Murray, what five commonly available objects would I have to put in a magic circle to summon you? Uh, records,
2: records, records, mm-hmm. records. Five records. We're
1: five records. not allowing that. We're not allowing. We're not. We're, we're, we're,
2: a stack of records. Okay, well, uh, a, a, a box of records. Yep, that's right. A pair of 1210 turntables, uh, a rain mixer, uh, a PA, and a crowd menu. You
0: know? Very good. First time we,
1: can, we allow, can we allow a crowd? Is that?
0: Uh, I would say a crowd is not an object, so I'm going to say no. Sorry, no. You can have a hall or a, a venue.
2: In that case, an audience on the other end of the internet.
0: No, not an object.
2: Well, not how about it. the Albert Hall? Some, something to... Oh, well, the Albert Hall. There, go. there yeah, you go. There you go. Give you the Albert
0: Hall. I was yep. saying, you're, you're, you, you, you've been doing some brilliant lockdown playlists. I think your, your Twitter is at Guy, right? Scott Scott guy, yes. And they're pinned there. So there are some brilliant Spotify playlists on there. I came up uh,
2: to play playlist 32 now.
0: Ah, the 90s hip-hop one is something particularly good. Something for just good. everyone there, I think. Yeah. Brilliant.
2: The country one's been particularly...
1: You know. That's interesting. Maybe it's sign of the times. Uh,
0: what three items in your house are giving you comfort in these times, Murray? Assuming that people and pets are, are doing so.
2: Um, my records. <laughs> I a feeling that was a theme here not it? Um, yeah. <laughs> any
1: any any particular?
2: Uh, well, so, actually, I've been really enjoying this one. This is this is new. Um, it's uh, i sure what it is. It's a great. It's a great label called um, Analog Africa. They do, they they release all sorts of stuff from the 70s and 80s. Yeah. So sort of Unknown stuff from Latin America and Africa. So. Yeah. Um, so it's stuff I've never heard of before. So yeah, I've been listening to lots of music that I probably records in my collection that don't normally get taken out. Yeah. I so have to
1: say, and and Andrew knows this, I still miss the smell of vinyl, <laughs> and that and that you know the the opening up a new record for the first time and and the almost and, and you know you're living with records and, I, and I'm not I mean it's all I've let I've let Apple have all my music I mean I've still got the records as well but that thing of saving up for a record opening it up treating it with almost religious kind of carefulness like it was an icon because of the whole what if it got scratched or anything and then and then just the smell of the vinyl is mm-hmm. um
2: Something about the physical product, isn't there? It just—it just.
0: It, it, it just it, it. I'm telling you what I love about it is—is is that record is mine. That no one else has got a tiny skip or a tiny bit of fluff there. That is my yeah. record, you know. Yeah. And that—that that ownership and the fact that you can't skip or randomise—you have to just listen to it. Means in the, it's being curated. I mean, obviously
1: you could, but you know, yeah, oh, yeah, so yeah. Listening to it the record, in the order in which the artist intended it.
2: Yeah. Uh, and the records you pull out and you go like that. And the running is so worn in; it's just nothing but crackle until it gets to the song. So.
1: But there's also that whole thing that I remember from my childhood, and I'm older, much older than both of you. But of, of having that balance between playing it too much, because then you would ruin it, yeah. and and yet wanting to listen to it. And it's just that whole. And I'm a bit like that with some mo- old movies as well, because there's some favourite movies that I've watched so many times that I can't really watch them now. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. If you but know what anyway. Comes down, Right,
2: so yeah. a record, good. Oh, a rec, so yeah, a record. Um, I treated myself to a ridiculously enormous television. So I've got, a, I've now got a 65-inch TV sitting above my mantlepiece. Um, <laughs> I've not been able, able to do very much, um, so I've kind of been sitting here um, watching old sci-fi. Yeah. I watched Battlestar Galactica back to back uh, a couple of weeks ago, I'm now Rinsing the Expanse. Uh, so, so yeah, it's like it's like having a movie theater in the living room. it's something I've wanted for a very long time, not been allowed. Um, but I just did it. So so that that's been a comfort. Um, and books, uh, always books. Uh, I'm always reading something. I'm usually I'm usually reading more than one thing at the same time. Um, Do
1: you want to give us uh, some of the stuff you're enjoying at the moment?
2: Uh, so well, at the minute I'm reading. Um, I'm reading. Uh, collection of short stories by a Chinese science fiction author called C.C.N. Liu, who's probably best known for Three Body Problem, which you know, was a bit of a, um, a phenomenon last year. Um, i just picked up um, When Things Fall Apart by Hema Shodron, who... Uh,
1: oh, my husband loves her.
2: So I haven't, I haven't even heard of it before, but am a very kind person on the internet. So She's she,
1: very, very funny.
2: One of, uh, so Rob uh, one of my friends on the internet sent that to me today, which is great. Um, I, 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 I hit the Stoics quite hard
0: in mm-hmm. the last couple of weeks after my... What the, uh, the old stuff? Or the the, the, the modern, original
2: stuff, yeah, it's I've probably been reading some quite interesting critique of that recently, critique uh, well. particularly. Uh, just, I think because it's been it, a lot of it has been co-opted by the uh, internet bros and some of the right wing jobs. Um, and you can see why.
0: Yes. If you take it to the nth degree as well, um, like Eckhart Toll stuff, it, it gets a bit like, what's the point of life? Because it's all just about just st- stepping back and just observing, and then you're just being emotionless and just and just watching things. And it's a bit like, well, where's the fun anymore? That, that's, but that does yeah. take it to the end.
2: And I think that's yeah. I mean, I think well, what's the point of any of it if it's not fun, right? Yeah. yeah I think that's, the, that's that's true of most parts. Well, in the
1: great in the great words of Sinead O'Connor, I do not want what I do not have. Yes. It's yes. Quite a recipe for happiness. Um, Murray, I'm going to give you the power to immediately change the industry in one way right now. For, the, for what what would you do?
2: Um, well, I think I, you're going to like this one too. We need more women at the top. Yeah, yeah I, I just—it's—I mean, my experience at MediaCom has been good. Yes. Partly for that reason, I think. I think more balanced leadership and um, more mm. diverse leadership mm. um, of all kinds. Yeah. Um, diversity is power. I—I um, I think I really do. And it is to be only on steel by a July. Still, it's just dull, um, and it's not fun. So uh, I think that, that 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 is the that is the thing. I have been thinking for a while that there's some. It's it difficult to see this as somebody working in a media agency, but um, whether media and creators should come back together, okay. because I'm, I'm fed up of having shitty arguments with. Um, agency planners about what use right. Um, it's just all of all of the best work we've done, all of the best work i have been involved in has been yeah. a proper, yeah. proper three way partnership mm-hmm. between the media agency, the trade agency and the client. And mm-hmm. all it's it's always how all the best work is done. Yes. And so either we need to find better ways of working together in order yeah. to facilitate that, or we need to bring it together in a way that, that, that makes that work. Because it's just so wasteful. It's so wasteful um of time of money of effort of emotion um, so, and so and, and I actually think those two things are probably linked I think more diverse leadership and more agencies would bring for better collaborations. together
1: cool hmm. now the question you kind of that was a very clear answer the, the question <laughs> hang on. the yeah the question that you cannot prepare for i've just I've, I've got a cluster here from the school of life so i'm going to call them holding them up one two three which one would you
2: like i'll take the middle one middle two, okay. cool.
1: and i'll read it out has a work of literature or art ever directly influenced your life <laughs> Ooh,
2: I do feel a bit like Frodo carrying the ring across Mordor at the minute. Um, uh, But I don't think that's um, influenced. It hasn't influenced that. I'm not, I don't know. Has it directly influenced my life? Um, I can't think of. I honestly can't think of something that has directly influenced my life. If I included music? Well, even, even music. I mean, I think that, you know, music is a, is escape.
1: But there, well, you wouldn't say there was a there was like when you were a teenager that there was an artist that was your thing that well, kind of opened things up to I you.
2: Know, I suppose maybe the only I suppose the, the, yeah the only kind of youth thing that I was ever part of I suppose was so ska music, ska northern soul. Yeah. yeah. So I was yeah. a sweet kid uh, when I was younger. Um, it changed the way I looked. I
1: guess. Okay. So I guess that I guess so then. Yeah. It changed
2: the way I looked, uh, and my mother hated it. Um, <laughs> I I had hair this length in my <laughs> university graduation photo, and she still hates it. Um, she <laughs>
0: probably
1: photo I, edits it now.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, but but yeah, I suppose I suppose in that sense, yeah. That, that's that's but that's the only that's the only time I think in my life that I that I that, that I've taken music to back yeah. same yes. into culture. I know, I, I know Andrew, you've, you've you've written about this actually, about how music and uh, youth culture fits together like that. But that's the only that's the only
1: one. That so, I, so, guess so anyone wants to listen in, which any band in particular
2: you'd... Uh, you? I've picked up Trojan Records, anything by Trojan on Trojan Records, Trojan. Oh, or God. or or you know any Northern Soul compilation. There's you yeah. know the, all of that stuff. Uh, but, but I guess Northern Soul's the stuff that's kind of lasted with me.
1: What a uh, great answer.
0: Mary, thank you very much for your time. I just, I think particularly, just some of the best advice we've ever had on the podcast is be the best at what's in front of you. I think that should be said to everyone day one, um, as soon as they get their first job. I wish I'd heard it; it would have sorted my ego out. a you, many many times over the years. So, thank you very much. Um, thank you. Brilliant.
2: All right. very Take- much. Nice to see you both.